Hello world. It's Tuesday, February 19th. This is the Weekly Impact Podcast. I'm Brent Smith, joined by Daniel Yelverton and Michael Miller. Welcome back to the podcast. We are back for another week. We are on Luke 1 today, moving out of Mark and moving into the book of Luke. So before we get into that today, do you guys have anything to set up with Luke? I know we've done this before, but is there anything fresh to put on it? Sure. Well, well, one thing I'll I'll highlight um, is I haven't really talked much about the whole synoptic gospel thing. We've mentioned it, but I haven't said a whole lot. And and something that uh, the reason why I think this is important to mention with Luke is that Luke has the most um, unique content. And and what I mean by unique content is uh, Matthew and Mark, they um, they kind of borrow from each other and borrow from other sources. Um, But like, uh, let's see, what is it? 35, I have to have a picture in front of me. I can't remember this stuff, right? But like 35% of Luke is unique to Luke. Mm. Now, now Matthew has 25% that's unique to Matthew, and Mark has just um, like, like maybe 1% or 2% that's unique to Mark. So Luke is the largest gospel. It has the most stuff in it. So if you really want to get a, a big, complete, full picture of the gospel, Luke's a, gr- a great place to start mm-hmm. because it kind of tells the whole story. Um, so but when we talk about the synoptic gospels, we're just basically all the gospels except for John because John's kind of a wild card. <laughs> you yeah. know, he's kind of out there. But another thing that I, I was telling Daniel before um, that I didn't realize until today that Luke contributes more words to um, the New Testament than Paul does. Mm-hmm. And like, because, I mean, we see like all these books that Paul wrote and all these chapters, but Luke has some, re- as you'll see today, <laughs> Luke has some really long chapters. <laughs> and, and so when you look at Luke and Acts, the combination of, I guess you could say like Luke part one and part two, yeah, um, there's more you know words from Luke than anything in the New Testament. So mm-hmm. this is a really interesting author, a really good place to begin. And you you said that, uh, and I don't know if uh, a lot of our listeners know that, but Luke and Acts is it's kind of like a it's a part one, part two of the work. So they're connected to each other. And, and Luke is writing at the beginning to this uh, his uh, friend. His it could be a patron. It's just somebody that's uh, it says most excellent, which is a term that they use for Paul uses when he's talking to Festus later on in the book of Acts. And so it's kind of an honoring uh, term. And he's talk and he's sending it to uh, Theophilus. Uh, and this is just somebody that either has uh, has received something from Luke or he's been taught. And the whole point of this gospel that Luke says is in the very beginning. It says, I, you know, there's been a lot of eyewitnesses uh, from the beginning about all the things that have been accomplished among us. And so I wanted to put together an orderly account of this. Yeah. And, and, and the reason that he did this is it says, it's, uh, so that you can be certain of the things that you have been taught or you or basically what have you been taught to know that it's true? So this is why Luke wrote this. And so I think Luke includes details that are not in other Gospels because he's he's coming from this direction of, I wanted to put an orderly account together so that you will know what is true. And then you'll see that he continues it in the book of Acts. And, and another thing about Luke is, He's a, he's he's a doctor, mm-hmm. and so that's part of that's his occupation. But also, he is a contemporary. He's one that walked with Paul a lot in his missionary journeys, and so yeah. there's a lot of yeah. So you see that the book of Acts, which is written by Luke, kind of takes uh, the spotlight falls off of Jerusalem and goes towards you know Paul's missionary journeys, and that's just because Luke is he's part he's with. 
Paul on his journeys. And so that's part of his documentation is that he's documenting all the things that are happening with Paul. So that's just kind of, you can understand that Luke's contribution to our New Testament is because he's he's taken the eyewitnesses' accounts and then he's also walked with Paul in all his missionary journeys. Yeah, yeah, and, he, and being a smart guy, you know, you can see he's done his research. He's probably got more sources than than Mark, and he's got more sources than Matthew, and he's he's that's why this is such a a, a large work because mm-hmm. yeah. he's you know he's really done his research being a doctor and such. Another thing that I find interesting with Luke is it's it's one of the themes that you'll find in Luke that's more prevalent, say here than in others, is is this universal um, universal might be the wrong word, but but about how, about how God. Wants to save not just the Jews. I mean that that mm. we see more about the Gentiles in in Luke, and and we see more about um, how Jesus you know came to reach the least of these, so mm. to speak. Um, the word "poor" um, means more than just what we look at as poor when we look in Greek. It means more more than just you know people that don't have money, more disadvantaged, and and like like in Matthew, we see the least of these. Mm-hmm. So. Luke really tackles more of that than any other gospel. So it's and, it's an interesting work. And one last thing I lo- want to say is like you'll see something in the beginning of chapter 3 where he'll name off a bunch of people that don't seem to matter at all. Like this person's the Caesar and this person's the governor and this person's the tetriarch and this person is the, you know, and this person's the high priest. And you're like, okay, I don't, I don't really care about all of those people's mm-hmm. names, and they're really weird from the start anyways. Uh, but I think what's great is that Luke is putting together a historical document, yes. and he's saying basically, yes. fact check me. These are all the things that are happening right now, and this is when this happened. This yeah. is all the people that are together. And I think that's really important for us to know when we're reading the Gospels is that these are like historical documents. Yes. This is what we would look in our history books and say, this is somebody said this because here's all the things that are going on around here. This is why this isn't a, a fairy tale. This isn't some legend. This is all the people that are, are around while all this is transpiring. So if you want to try to see if this is correct or legitimate, here's all the reasons why. And so, and I think that's really important for us to have within the gospel narratives that we have uh, these details that are that point more to this is an eyewitness historical account than it is more of this is what some guys just kind of made up when they were sitting in the upper room one time and they were like this would be really cool let's say Jesus rose from the dead and so these it's a, it's important to understand that these details are very important not only for our faith but for the validity of these documents yeah cool well that's the setup for today and join us now as we delve into Luke 1 and the dwell app Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile the narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. 
Now while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, 
to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, Blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness, and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. 
All right, that's the first chapter of Luke. What are you guys' observations? That's a very long chapter. There's a lot of stuff to get to, and I know that we will not get to it all because this is a short podcast. So uh, what do you guys want to address? What's the priority here? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> well, one thing off the top uh, with this, the, how do you say it, Theophilus? Theophilus, oh, yeah. The I think so. name actually means God lover. So an interesting thought is whether of whether Luke was actually addressing it to an actual person or he was basically saying to all of all of you who love God, and we really don't know. Huh. But there are some theories that maybe Theophilus may have funded Luke as he wrote. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, that's really interesting because as Luke talks a lot about the poor, not just financially but in other ways, but financially is is one of them. <laughs> like he, possibly he starts off this gospel being like, "Hey Theophilus, you're awesome. I love you. You're good. This is so you can learn and stuff." But by the way, I'm going to tear your rich, rich people down, you know. Yeah. But uh, but no, I just I think that's that's an interesting thing that um, that we really don't know who the- Theophilus is. But I mean, one possible thought is if you are a lover of God, this is for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a. Uh, I think one of the things that stuck out to me is just the the comparisons between the two stories. Like there's uh, there's the foretelling of John the Baptist and the foretelling of uh, Jesus, and then there's also the two kind of songs and prophecies that you have the Mary's song and you have Zachariah's prophecy. And I just think that they're fascinating to me that they're like this kind of foreshadowing to what the child is going to become. Like Mary's song is, uh, is really kind of about this, um, you know, that she, that there's going to be glory that's going to come from this, that there's going to be, you've exalted people from a low state, like you were talking about Michael. And that's going to be a theme kind of throughout the book of Luke is that, that Jesus is coming to do something upside down, that he's going to take what is established, uh, what seems like where the might makes right kind of concept, and he is going to elevate the least. He is going to uh, pull in the outcasts. And and so I think this is really more that Jesus is going to, Mary is almost kind of prophesying that he's going to do something great for the least of these, uh, for the lowly, and for all of humanity. And then um, Zechariah kind of prophesies that 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 his son is going to be this kind of mouthpiece. It's going to be a prophet. That it's going to be one that's going to kind of usher in uh, this new kind of uh, usher in this new kingdom. And and so I think it's it's cool, kind of cool for me that as parents they're speaking over their their children mm-hmm. uh, through the through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And and that's kind of we've. Um, we as a family have really uh, tried to be uh, mindful about what we say about our children because I think that the words of parents hold a lot of power and a lot of wow. weight. Uh, and you see that even looking back in the Old Testament, you see that there is this um, there is this desire for the children to receive the blessing of the Father. You know, you had that with uh, Jacob and uh, Esau and um and Isaac, their father Isaac, and e- Jacob stole the blessing, and Esau is just like, he's he's crushed. He's crushed that the blessing is gone, and that's gone to somebody else. And so that, I think that there is something to be kind of gleaned here from even just being a parent, a parent of young children, is that what we say to our children matters. And it's big and it's very important. And so, um, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know if you guys have any kind of thoughts that well, kind of go along with yeah, that. Yeah. Well, and you kind of talked about this for a moment, but 
Something that I think is really super interesting with these speeches or these songs or, or whatever you want to call it is how is what they expected. Yeah. They expected this this Messiah like this this. You know, she says uh, he has shown strength with his army, has scattered the proud in the thoughts with their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones. Like Mary and and, and Zachariah, like they're both thinking. This Jesus, he is going to he's he's going to throw it down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's going to sit on a Roman throne. Yeah. It's going to be no joke. Like Conan or something. Yes, mm-hmm. and and we'll see later, and we've seen it in, in the other Gospels that even John the Baptist, as he grows, mm-hmm. I mean, he he's paving the way, right? He's baptizing people, and this he's preparing the way for Jesus. But even later, when he's in you know in prison, he's questioning: Is this the Messiah? So I, I love the. Um, the storytelling, I mean, it's true storytelling, but I just, I love the the way that this plot unfolds. They're expecting this Messiah, and even in chapter one, it's set up that this massive king is going to overthrow Rome, and he's going to sit on the throne. It's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. He's going to be this warrior king. Ah, Jesus, yes. His name's Jesus, Yeshua, the Savior. Mm-hmm. He's going to save us all. And they're not thinking, when we say, see the word saved, we think of it the way we think of it now. They're not thinking of it like that. Mm-hmm. They're thinking like he's going to kill people and he's going to take charge, right? Yeah. He's going to save us because they're looking at this whole Old Testament story of the Exodus. Mm-hmm. You know, God saved us when we were in Egypt. God saved us in Babylon. He saved us in Assyria You know, from all these rains. He's going to save us with Rome and he's going to do it again. And Jesus is going to sit on the throne. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. And then this, how Jesus subverts expectations is just amazing. It's jaw-dropping. Mm-hmm. So I think what Luke does here is he sets this expectation up that we should be shocked as we read through this gospel. Yeah. And we see who Jesus actually is. And we see he's the Isaiah 53 kind of Savior. And you're just, whoa. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, should, it's, it should be really shocking to us as we read it. And I love how he sets this up here. Yeah, I love I love too that like Jesus is all those things. It just it's in Revelation. It's you know it's in things to come near the end. So it's cool that he's both. Yeah. They just were expecting Revelation Jesus, and instead mm-hmm. they got New Testament Jesus, like mm-hmm. early New Testament yeah. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, and I think that the the challenge that we have always with the kingdom of God is that we have to evaluate the kingdom of God and kind of put away our own expectations. Because uh, there's always going to be that conflict. There's going to be that conflict yes. from what we see and what we perceive and what we think is right. And then that may not align with what God is doing or how God is working. And and it's on us to be like to submit to what God is actually doing because Jesus will say that. He'll, he didn't – the disciples shouldn't have been surprised that he died. Because he told them right. constantly again, that again, he was yeah. going to go to Jerusalem, he was going to suffer, that he was going to die. And it was almost like they were just like not allowing it to enter their heads. You know, they were just like, I'm not going to, that doesn't make sense. I'm I don't blame him so much, though, because he's spoken so many parables. Yeah. They, I mean, they could like, well, That's he's going to die spiritually or he's going to die this way or that way. Because, I mean, dude, dude's spoken a lot of weird ways. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure, you're going to die. You're going to die in some way that I don't get. But sure, Jesus. Yeah. You know. And and I bet I think also there's just some things are just hidden. Like the things of the Lord can be just hidden from our eyes. And I think that it takes a revelation of the Holy Spirit to be able to kind of 
uh, help us see, help us see what Jesus came to do. And I don't think it all clicked for them until later on. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, now I see everything that he was coming to do. And the plan was so much bigger. And, and so I think for me, that's my personal take on that is, is kind of always, you know, evaluating what God is doing, but then like, kind of like a submit myself to that instead of kind of trying to fit God and what I want to see and what I want to take place. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a parent child relationship when you look at Jesus with his disciples, but it's not about age. It's about spiritual maturity Sure. to yeah. where I, I think about that. And I'm like, yeah, I talk to my son Owen all the time. And I'll tell him just this morning, he was like, what are we doing today? And, and I was like, well, you're going to the babysitter's house today. I got to drop you off because I got to go to work. And, uh, okay. And then 10 minutes later, we're leaving. And he was like, uh, we're going to preschool, right? And I was like, no, <laughs> I, I need you to listen when I talk. <laughs> I told you earlier, we're going to do this. And I told you four times we're going to do this. But it's kind of the same thing is like they just it, they're not ready to yeah. absorb certain things yet, mm-hmm. you know. And so it just kind of I almost smile a little bit when I see those moments with Jesus, with his disciples, because it reminds me of that family dynamic of parents and children. Yeah. And I think it's it's interesting when we're talking about just like hearing and absorbing because the oh, yeah. Gabriel is coming to two different people. He's coming to Zechariah and he's coming to Mary to give them this kind of good news to kind of <laughs> foretell these things that are coming. And they both are kind of like, wait a second, how is this possible? You know, like immediately they're just kind of like trying to like wrap their mind around what is actually transpiring here. And I guess I don't know, and this will just throw this out here and I don't really know why, <laughs> but... <laughs> But I don't understand why there's like two different results from the uh, from Gabriel and from the doubt, I should say, you know, because they both ask, how is this possible? Mm -hmm. You know, and Mary gives her reason. I'm a virgin. Zachariah says, hey, I'm old and my wife is old, you know, or advanced in years. If he's trying to be like (laughs) diplomatically. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Zachariah is totally geriatric. (laughs) I know. Exactly. (laughs) He's definitely trying to be politically correct there. And so. Um, and so, yeah, so I'm just curious, like, why does it, why does Zechariah get silenced, you know, not able to speak and, and, you know, and then, and his, and Gabriel's response is different. And then Gabriel responds to Mary by saying, Hey, this is actually how it's going to happen. Yeah. Cause relationships, not an equation. And, and what I mean by that is I have different expectations of my two sons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now this is being for real, right? My, um, my nine year old Christian he has ADD or ADHD, and it's no joke. When I was a kid, I thought that stuff was fake. Right? Oh, really? I thought it was like discipline problem. Like you parents suck. You know, yeah. <laughs> I have two kids, and if I'm really honest, um, I, I have sometimes higher expectations from my six year old mm. because he doesn't have ADHD. Mm-hmm. So, like when I put them on the bus, you know, because I have to go teach. And, and they have to wait on the bus in our living room for 20 minutes, and I will tell Noah, "All right, buddy." You know, make sure make sure you guys get on the bus and make sure. Could you please shut the door this morning? You guys always leave the door open. Like a lot of times, I'm giving Noah these instructions mm-hmm. because before Christian's medicine kicks in, he he's like fly. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. you know, he just squirrel moments. Exactly, yeah. he just he can't he can't concentrate. So I have dif- different expectations of my of my sons because I know them. Mm. You know, and I think that that works with us with God. And I know Gabriel's not God, right? But he's he's being used as God's messenger. And and I think that Mary must have had a different relationship with God than Zechariah. Mm-hmm. And it's not that one's higher than the other. Mm-hmm. Is that maybe Zechariah needed to be silenced? There could be something going on that we don't know. Mm-hmm. 
So so maybe maybe Zechariah needed to be silent so he would take some time and think yeah. and spend some time in you know prayer and fasting and with God. Well, we don't know. Mm-hmm. But I, I, again, I don't think that relationship is an equation that well, okay, you know, if if <laughs> we have this problem, then this is the way that we answer it for every human being on the planet. Right. And I think that that's the reason why. I, I, it may not sound fair, but I think that God gave Mary and gave Zechariah exactly what he needed to give them um, for, for their personal growth. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of people get hung up on fairness when it comes to that stuff, too. They want equal outcome for everything. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, there's everything is an individual situation. And just because yours is different than somebody else's doesn't mean it's less fair. It just means that might have been yeah. what you needed in that moment for who you are and where you were and what your relationship was. And I think there's also something to think about, even the proximity in which Zechariah was in the temple. Like he's in the presence of God. He's in this area where there he is going, he is, you know, he is ministering and he is doing what he's supposed to do. And he's a priest, you know, and so an angel comes to him and gives him a command. It should be that he's like, oh, okay, then I need to follow this because this is what I'm kind of. That I'm already in the presence of God. I'm already in this. And so I think there's always, there's even a proximity that is the closer we get to God, the more responsibility there is in, our, in us for, for even to respond to God. Yeah. You know, just like you were saying, there's different responsibilities for different maturity levels for your, for your children. Yeah. Uh, even like you said that with Owen too, like there's different responsibilities when you're different, when you are in a different place. So yeah. Zachariah is in the temple. Zachariah is in a place where he is uh, going through the motions and of, um, of ministering to God or not ministering to God, but yeah, but he's, uh, and so the angel appears to him and, he, sh- it, I guess you could have said he should have responded yeah. with. I think okay. more, more was expected of him. Yeah, maybe. exactly. Whereas Mary is just not. She's not with in great that. Power comes great responsibility. Yeah, it's a very Spider Man esque kind of moment. <laughs> yeah, um, kind of culturally too, though, right? Like we talked about a little while ago, where their culture was men were a lot more educated and a lot more sure mm-hmm. learned on those kind of things than women were too. So maybe, maybe she had more of an innocent situation in it where he was more was expected of him and not yeah. not only was he a man that was probably more educated on such things he was also a priest mm-hmm. yeah I, I also think the the way gabriel responded was pretty cool when he's like i'm gabriel and i stand in the presence of god and he sent me to speak this to bring you this good news i just that line is just awesome to me <laughs> like it's like one of those like lines that it's like like six in my mind from, from like a movie or something yeah. like that right you is shall it, not pass yeah exactly kind of very yeah yeah exactly Power isn't it great he stands on the other side <laughs> mm-hmm. i think this is another thing that we can we kind of apply this to our lives you know because i was thinking about hope and and you know being realistic one of the reasons why these two doubted is because they, they've seen things I mean, Mary's never seen a virgin give birth. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, Zechariah's never seen probably an old dude his age, you know, have a kid. So you know, we see things that that we actually experience in real life. We're like, come on, God. Seriously, are you kidding me? <laughs> and, you know, but Gabriel stands on the other side. He's seen God face to face. And with that, that makes me think about the hope that I actually have in reality. Mm. Here's the thing. Let's be real. Uh, I remember I was going to a church in, in Columbus years ago um, when I worked up there. And um, there was this, there was this um, pastor that had moved on from one church to another, you know, planted a church and things. And he had a two-year-old. And uh, they were having this big party at their house. And, uh, and I'm sorry, this is not a good story. Um, they have this, you know how when you have a big party, kids are running around. It's kind of like group parenting, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so his two-year-old, you know, kind of escapes the group and he goes into 
the, you know, the front, the front yard and he goes into the, the driveway and he gets run over mm-hmm. and he dies. Like, whoa, bad things do happen. And I think sometimes we give people this, the wrong hope. We give people the wrong hope, tell them everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be perfect. You're not going to have any problems. Mm-hmm. And then we, then we struggle when, when people die. We struggle when people get struck in with, with cancer and all the and terrible things. And I'm not saying that God doesn't do miracles because he does. And, and I don't understand how all that works. But what I do understand is the hope that we have. Gabriel sees that hope because Gabriel stood in front of the Father. Mm. And I have hope, not that everything is going to go well for me. I, I, I could die on my way home today, even though I only live a quarter of a mile from here, <laughs> right? I, I have no control over that. And I'm not, I'm not worried about that. And the reason why, and I'm pointing to Daniel, I'm sorry. But, but the reason, because <laughs> I'm over here, it's, like it's like I'm over here preaching, you know, and I'm sorry. <laughs> but the reason why is, is I, I don't just have hope about my life about this this thing that I'm doing on earth, my hope is in my salvation. Mm-hmm. I know, what's that verse? I know who I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Like, I know my salvation lies in him. Mm-hmm. I know my hope is secure. So uh, that that's the hope that, that, uh, that Gabriel can give, mm-hmm. you know, to Mary and to Zechariah, and that it, because <laughs> it doesn't turn out the way they think, does it? Mm-hmm. But we see that Jesus dies and he raises again. It's 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 on the other end of life that we see this true hope. Mm-hmm. And to me, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm rambling a bit, but to me, that's what the gospel is all about. That we have hope and it's not just hope in this life. We have hope after this life is over. Um, and, I, and I think you're, you bring up a really great point, Michael, about uh, the hope that we have, but also just kind of, the blindness of our present circumstances. You know, I mean, we can just be, we can see our present circumstances. Zechariah can see the facts in front of him that he's old and his wife is old, you know, and, or that Mary is a virgin. These things just aren't possible. Right. And, and so, and I think that that's the, the beauty of what Jesus came to bring. And he says this, he says with man, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Right. And that there's, there's something great that's coming. John the Baptist is foretelling it. Jesus is bringing it. Something great is happening, and I think this is this is an opportunity for us to then respond, to then kind of suspend the disbelief, to you know, to take the reality that we're in right now and kind of uh, hold on to it loosely, to know that God is that the kingdom of God is bringing something great, and we have the opportunity to experience it. We have the opportunity to respond to it because I think we're on the other side. We have. We get to see this from the lens of the past, right? This is their present, but this is our this is our past. And so we get to see this and say, man, this is how it ended up working out. This is how it ended up coming to fruition. Yeah. And so I think you can you can bring God's plan and bring God's faithfulness and his character into your present situation and begin to suspend what's going on in your reality and begin to bring the kingdom of God into your present situation and say, all right, God, this may be what I see. This may be what I'm experiencing. This may be what seems to make sense to me. But here's what I want. I want to experience what Gabriel has. I want to experience that presence, that thing that can come in and absolutely change 
the present situation. Yes. That can bring something totally brand new. That can bring a Holy Spirit filled baby that's gonna like uppercut the mom in the womb or whatever it is. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I mean, I, I kind of think of like a Street Fighter move that that, that, that uh, <laughs> sorry, I totally <laughs> I know I'm taking this moment and I'm ruining it right now. But that's just where my mind goes. Is that like you know? Because I'm thinking like, man, like what kind of? Because I've I've seen like. With with Lainey being pregnant with two kids, I see the like the, when the baby moves, right? You know, yeah. and it's like crazy. You know, I wonder what it's like. What it, what was the Holy Spirit yeah. movement like? You know, was it just like a full like all feet and legs like shot out or something like that? And so, anyways, that's I just right. I feel like they should re-release Street Fighter and add an infant Jesus to it now. Yeah, so you infant can Jesus. I know exactly. Uh, so, anyways. Um, oh my we, we I totally lost what I was talking about here, but. But yeah, uh, God's doing something great, and they're and I think Mary and Zachariah are prophesying here because they're responding to something fantastic that's happening. And and one of the things that's always really interesting to me, and I think it's in Matthew, uh, where it talks about it, it could be in Luke, where it says Mary pondered these things and kind of rested on these things. And I think that there's an opportunity for us now in our present situation to to not only invite the presence of God, but once it's there, to actually take notice of it. And to begin to like think, what does this mean now? Uh, they even said that uh, the, in verse 66, which tells you how long this chapter is, it, um, <laughs> it says that the people after John the Baptist was born, like something crazy happened, right? And they're, and they're, as they're, you know, and as they're saying, like, man, what will this child be? What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord is on him. And it's almost like they, they walked away kind of amazed. You know, something's happening. The shepherds, after all this thing that's happened, they're pondering, what is going on here? You know? And so I think that we have the opportunity to interact with God in that way. And that we get to say, God, what are you doing here? What's going on in my this situation? What can I pull? How can I pull back from this? And uh, shameless plug, we're doing... Um, we just started small groups this week for a 10-week season, and that's one of the things that we want to experience all throughout this 10-week season in our small groups is is hearing from God and responding and taking time to, like, notice, oh, my gosh, like, something big is happening here. And and we get to read this because we've, you know, a lot of us, we've, we've, we've heard this story before. You know, we've heard this story around Christmas, and so we know kind of what's going to happen when we're, before we even read it, right? Yeah. But, I mean, like, God is doing something great in this time. God is doing something big, and these and people are stopping and thinking and responding or they don't have to, they don't have to do that. They, we can just like we do and we can just continue to carry on. And so I think that, um, we, we get a chance to interact with the kingdom of God and we get a chance to almost experience what Gabriel brought in when he brought in good news and he brought a message from the throne of God. And I think we just kind of brush it off sometimes. You know, we brush off the the gifts that we have from the Father and the things that we have in the Scriptures and just kind of think of it as just not really applying to our lives. But God is on the move, and we have the chance to think about it. We have the chance to ponder over it. We have the chance to begin to think, what does this mean for us now? You know, did you notice that um, that Elizabeth here, um, she, she was quiet for a while? And that, and you said that you know Mary pondered these things in her heart, and God basically shut Zachariah up. He's <laughs> forced to ponder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, there is a season of pondering. Mm-hmm. There is a season of growth and rest sometimes. And it's funny because Daniel and I have had munches, and and he's given me a lot of wise counsel. And uh, and and his point to me that that I'd like to pass on to you all 
is very clear in the last verse of this chapter. And I think it's funny that we, we get, oh, man, 80 verses. Oh, and we, we want to skip that last, the last verse. How many of us didn't actually even read it? Because, like, oh, thank goodness we're done. We got this whole poem thing from Zechariah, this prophecy, whatever, and I'm done. But look at verse 80. And the child grew, talking about John. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Now, how old was he? Like 30? Well, yeah, if he was only, if Jesus started his ministry when he was 30. So John the Baptist is in the wilderness for 30 years. Yeah. Doing what? I, I just always envision him looking like some wild mountain man oh, me coming too. out. Because oh, yeah. it says he survives on, what, locusts and honey or something yeah. like mm-hmm. that? Like Wearing wears, camel skin? Camel yeah. skin, yeah, so, leather so, belt. But, but, here, but here the point, and, 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 and so this is one of those deals where when you're pointing a finger at one person, you're pointing several at yourself. So mm-hmm. this, is, this is a point to me, and I, and I want you to hear it too, that John the Baptist did nothing for 30 years. He did nothing important. Mm-hmm. And... And in your life and in my life, we might have those seasons where we don't feel like God is doing anything with us and we feel like, man, I could do more and this is just terrible. But that doesn't mean God is done with you. Because mm-hmm. John steps on the scene and, and, and now he's, he's a part of history. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what will God do with you in your life? And it might not be until you're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, who knows? But don't, don't think that, that since you are in a season of rest or since God it's not your time yet mm-hmm. don't think that God's not going to do something with you because mm. because God very well may want to do something brilliant and wonderful with you yeah and there are things too like you you know in many situations there are a lot of things that people go through in their life where it's obvious after the fact when God starts moving in you it was training the whole time to get you ready yeah but then there are also people that may be like John where it's just put in you and waited to be activated until yep. the right time when God calls you into activation, mm-hmm. yep. you know? So don't be too discouraged if you don't feel like you're being trained right now. That doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan and you won't be used in some way. Yeah, take the time and learn. Take the time. And, and I've had to, <laughs> I'm speaking from experience, that, you know, we have to to take that time and, and see, like, my prayer is always like, God, what are you doing? And not in a not in a in a way that I'm accusing him, but in a way of, what are you doing in my life? What do I need to learn? Mm-hmm. In in this moment, what am I supposed to be gaining from it? What are you preparing me for? And and how and how can I expedite this process? You know, <laughs> yeah. Because you know, we I, I definitely feel like we need to learn when we're in these moments mm-hmm. that God is doing something, and sometimes that thing is internal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean. I think that there's so much that Jesus modeled about just be spending time alone with the Father and like having those times of rest and things like that and pulling away and and I think those are some those are the hardest seasons. I think that um, you know a lot of times we uh, we struggle we struggle with those periods of rest. I think with our culture, our culture is very much on the go, and I yes. think we we place a lot of our value in what we're able to accomplish, uh, what we're able to tangibly see in our life. Um, we take that from money, we take that from family, we take that from job status, uh, from, you know, housing situations. I mean, we do, I mean, we, we focus on that so much. And and I think the, the stopping and resting, the stopping and waiting on the Lord is so hard. 
I remember, um, I remember one time I was asking the Lord and I was giving the Lord two options in my prayer. I was like, it was the, the, uh, yes, it was the, it was this way or this way. Right. It was, it was the fork in the road moment. And I was giving God these options. Like I knew what was best. Right. And so I was like, you need, I need to go this way or this way. And you need to tell me which way to go. And God was like, he did. This was one of the few times where I felt like it was almost like an audible voice in my head. And he said, wait. And I was like, that was, that wasn't one of the options, God, (laughs) that wasn't what I was supposed to do. And it was, but it was, exactly <laughs> what i needed to do yeah. it was the exactly what i needed to do side. i needed to yeah i know i needed to <laughs> i needed to wait and um and i think that that is just a you know the development that we see i mean we're hearing about wow this amazing stuff is happening but it wasn't until 30 years until they started seeing the fruition of yep. this ministry of jesus's ministry of john the baptist ministry mm-hmm. and so there's a there's just a waiting process and there's a process where um you know where uh, where John the Baptist grew and Jesus grew, you know, and they, and there's as, as parents, you know, I think that our role is to prepare our kids for what God has for them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that is in the trenches and sometimes that is in the unnoticeable things, but God is doing something in us. And I think that as he develops from a parent child relationship, he's doing the same thing with us spiritually, that he's developing us in the same way that it just takes time. Yeah. All right, let's wrap it up. Uh, would one of you guys pray today? <laughs> All right, I will. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, I just uh, thank you so much for this uh, day. Uh, God, I just thank you so much that you have a really good plan for our lives, that uh, if we are willing and obedient and just receptive to your nudging, to the direction that you have for us, that there is amazing things in store for us. So God, I just pray that you would give us patience in the process, that you would give us um wisdom uh to just wait and uh, that you would also give us um the strength and the courage to step forward when you tell us to do that um god i just pray that that if there is anyone here uh that is just struggling with um just doubt of wondering how things are going to actually happen i pray god that they would just open up their heart open up their mind to the presence of god that just as Gabriel was sitting, uh, was standing in the presence of God, that there is something greater on the other side. There's something greater in the kingdom of heaven. And that when we bring access to the kingdom of heaven, that things can change, that miracles can happen, that situations that look bleak can turn into situations of great victory. And so, God, I just pray that you would uh, help us to, to pause, to stop, to bring things to you, God, and to bring the kingdom of God into our situations, whether they're financial, whether they're relational, whatever they may be. Uh, God, thank you that you actually care, that you care enough to bring uh, just heavenly solutions, You bring to bring your glory, to bring your power into our lives, and that you freely give that because you love us and that you're good and you're gracious. Uh, so God, may we just continue to have a, a perspective of you as a good dad that has great plans for us and that wants to give us the king's keys to the kingdom and that it's been your pleasure to adopt us all into your family so lord we just thank you we love you and it's in your name we pray amen amen thank you daniel um so that puts another episode in the books and um we just want to thank you as always for joining us today uh if there's anything that speaks to you anything that you would like to reach out to us about please do so uh we're available on facebook we're available uh in other places we're available here at church on sunday mornings too um so anyway if there's anything that you want to talk to us about or anything that you want to share 
anything, um, come talk to us. But I just want to leave you guys with this, and it goes along with Daniel's prayer and what we were talking about. If you're one of those people that is um, frustrated, that feels lost, that feels like you've been left behind, um, just take heart this week and remind yourself that God made you because he has a plan for you. And if you haven't been activated yet, if you're still out there and you're frustrated, I was there myself for a long time, um, just know that it's coming for you. It will come for you, I promise you. So um, until next week, just take heart in that and be encouraged and try to draw closer to the Father and just go out there and show love to everybody that you can. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have a good one.